This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Can you feel it too? A season for the ages finally comes to an end today. In the final episode of our 2022-23 campaign, We'll reflect one last time on City's treble triumph, discuss a couple of the comers and goers from the transfer window so far and hand out a few awards along the way too. It's the final show of the season. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Well then, Adam, one last rodeo for us, and I'm glad because um, before we started, we were just we were comparing injuries. I start, I played cricket again for the first time in probably over a year uh, at the point of recording yesterday. And when I say every single muscle in my body is, is hurting, so much so you, you showed me a TikTok before and it hurt to laugh. Um, so as you can probably, I'm, I genuinely, I feel it in my lungs. I feel tense. I feel tight. I feel stiff. So I'm not, I'm not going to be bouncing up and down as, as I usually am. You hurt yourself in the, in general public, which is, uh, highly more embarrassing, I have to say, but, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're like a pair of geriatrics. Yeah. I tend to get injuries in the most embarrassing way possible. Um, oh, it hurts a lot. That hurts e- a lot. Even if. Even if it is, you know, for instance, playing football. When I broke my leg last year playing football, it was because I kicked a really, really big dude and he fell on me and smashed my <sighs> leg. Um, Oof. Anyways, yeah, I got injured last night in the north end of Providence Park yelling at the referee. So I'm not going to explain how I did it. He was just that poor of a referee and I got injured in my anger. Um, but I, I, I'm feeling a bit better this morning, so... Respect the refs. 
We've not taught you anything, have we? And from this lovely country of ours where referees are certainly respected. Um, like, like I said, anyway, this is our last episode of the season. It will only be gone a couple of weeks. It just gives us time to regroup, rest, uh, go on holiday for some of us and then come back after the transfer window has really kicked into gear. But actually, it feels like that that was a short-sighted planning from us because it's very much kicking into gear. Let, let's start with the saddest news. We've got a, a jam-packed show. It's an extended episode today um for those wondering but let's start with with the saddest news this week and, and that's obviously Gundogan who is set to join Barcelona on a free transfer he leaves City after seven years at the club he arrived in 2016 for 22 million pounds Pep Guardiola's first signing the right time to go for you is it Adam? Yeah I, I don't think it's the right time in the sense that he didn't have more to give but mm. you know captaining the team to a treble um, if if greener pastures were on your mind towards the back end of the season, then leaving on on such a high is mm. you know very respectable, and I, I won't have a bad word to say about it. Um, and obviously, it was a tough decision for him. I mean, we heard the the reports that he refused to discuss his contract with his agent until after the Champions League final. He just wanted to focus mm. on you know wrapping up the treble and and everything that went on in the back end of the season and. Um, you know, I think people kind of forget that there are humans underneath the football kits. You know, they have families that have their mm-hmm. own desires and and things like that. And we know that, um, according to some reports, that his wife also wanted to move to Barcelona. I don't blame her. Um, I know, I know. So, yeah, I don't have a bad word to say about him. I mean, he was a, a amazing servant to the club. Like you said, he was Pep's first signing and. Obviously, didn't really hit the ground running. Came in injured. I can remember him being on on crutches in his his mm. uh, welcome interview when when Pep and him were on the stage together in in 2016, and obviously had some knee injuries in the first couple of years. But the evolution from the player that he was, say 2018 to to now, it feels like he's played three or four different roles, and he's done them all at a world class level. And you just he's he truly is a club legend and i think that word gets thrown around a lot but he's a club mm. legend i i know there's the discussion of statues and no statues but he absolutely falls into the category of of unbridled city legend well, absolutely. Um, maybe the the discussion for for statues will come at a different time, possibly when he's retired. Because, um, and and again, there's another part of that in in this, in the fact that he's Muslim, and there's all sorts of different um, teachings that go on there that maybe prohibit that. So we'll wait and see. That that'll come further down the line, but. Absolutely bona fide legend. And here's a list of his achievements, Adam, just from the last month. Um, he scored the brace against Everton, which effectively won City the league. City didn't play again until they were crowned champions. Obviously, Arsenal losing two in a row. Um, he guided City to just their second ever Champions League final. That was obviously against Real Madrid. He captained uh, the free peat Premier League team, lifted that title. He scored the winner in the first All-Manchester FA Cup final. He became the first City captain ever to lift the Champions League and became just the second captain in English football history to win the treble. Obviously, uh, there has been different iterations of a treble, but the treble, as the United fans like to tell us. Um, Obviously, in the sort of modern era, City have had some successful captains, you'd, you'd like to say, Vincent Kompany, David Silva. Uh, Fernandinho and obviously now Wilkai Gundogan. Where do you think he ranks in that what quartet of recent City captains? I would say he probably jumps ahead of David Silva. He didn't really get the captain juices flowing. So Fernandinho, company, Gundogan, who who takes who takes th- the the top spot? I think it's going to take a long time, perhaps forever for Vincent Company to be knocked off his perch mm. as kind of the city captain, the club captain. Mm. Um, I think Gundogan probably comes in right after him, ahead of I'd Fernandinho agree. and ahead of David yeah. Silva. We talk, We were talking about this privately yesterday about how David Silva, his, his, you know, his biggest quality was that he was an absolute guarantee of a 9 out of 10 performance every day of the mm. week. Didn't matter the competition, didn't matter the opponent. He was 9 out of 10 and was world-class every day of the week. Whereas Okai Gundogan, you know, he had his, his ups and downs at City. He had a, a rough start to the career with injuries and, and all that stuff. But the moments that he's provided, 
the winner at Wembley, the, the opening goal at Wembley, the fastest goal in FA Cup final history against mm. against your biggest rival, and um, kind of putting the entire team on his shoulders in the COVID season and essentially becoming probably the best false nine we've seen under Pep, and that was from midfield. Mm. <laughs> um, and just his evolution in general, I, I think he's... I think there won't be a player that has a similar city career. I don't think it'll ever be matched because it wasn't mm. smooth sailing from the beginning like it was with with David Silva and obviously Vincent Company had his ups and downs with injuries as well, but I think he's he's right up there right behind Vinny. Yeah. I I would I would absolutely agree. Um Fernandinho obviously got two of the three in the free P lifted them, but he, he never he didn't really play a vital part, and I think that's probably what sets Gundwan aside from the rest. He he's been there for City's biggest moments in their biggest season of the club's history. Um FA Cup obviously scored the winning goal, multiple performances in the Champions League, those goals towards the back end of the Premier League as well. And and yeah, um all the best still kites, but and and I agree, it is it is the right time to go. Um I don't think it'd have been fair on him if he'd have had, you know, two, three years of steady decline and eventually gets shafted out the team at the end of his whatever contract extension it would have been. He gets to go and play in Barcelona, which any footballer, any person really um, would love to do. And and he, he does so without having the burden of career achievements like the Champions League, which he, he'd lost two finals before and obviously wraps that up. Um, one one lad then who, who has sort of spoken openly about wanting those career achievements is is obviously Declan Rice, who quite rapidly, it has to be said, has gone from a an outside target for City into what looks like it could be a dead cert transfer by this time, maybe next week or even sooner. Um, obviously, lots of reports, as you would expect at this time of year. David Ornstein in The Athletic says at the time of recording, City are preparing a bid. That's backed by Fabrizio Romano too. Um, Arsenal still in the chase. They see him as their priority. And he and Rice is apparently open to an Emirates move, but City are expected to gazump West Ham's offer, which is a really nice word. Um, some replacement, isn't it? If City do get to swap Ilkay Gundwan, who's 32 years old, for Declan Rice, who is an England international, 24 years old. Um, I'm I'm excited by this if it comes off. Yeah, and you kind of expect City to do things like this to replace mm. your outgoing captain who's in his, you know early 30s with somebody who's been tipped as a potential England captain down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a young guy that obviously has a big price tag, but I think he captained, did he captain West Ham last yeah. season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season, I think yeah, he's, he did. he's got you know, captain experience. Captained West Ham to to uh, a European final, a uh, European trophy. Um, I would put Rice into the category of players that if he's available and if he wants to come to your club, you find a way. Doesn't matter how he fits into the starting eleven or fits into the style of play. I've seen a lot of City fans online to say, "Well, I don't really get where he goes in the team." I think he's one of those players that you figure it out, and Pep most certainly will. And I think it's worth mentioning. I was thinking about this this morning. Pep may only be here for another twenty-four months, and there is a there is a future of. Uh, I hate to say it, there is a future at this club beyond Pep, mm. and. The members of the board and the recruitment staff and Cheeky and and Khaldun and 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 Omar Barada, they have to look to life beyond Pep, and they mm-hmm. can't necessarily be bring, bringing in players at the moment that only fit the system for two years. They they mm-hmm. have to look at a player and say, this guy could be in the team for ten years and and potentially captain the club one day and things like that, which you could absolutely see a player like Declan Rice doing with his with his character. Um, so yeah, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. You pay the money, whatever that is. There, it sounds like there may be some players involved, which we can come on to. But um, yeah, he's a player that if if he's available, if he wants to come to your club, you figure it out. Certainly. Um, I, I had the exact same thought. I think it's whilst we were doing the chat about uh, Gavardiol, which was uh, Wednesday's episode. So if you haven't, go and listen to that one. But I, I, again, with Gundogan, yes, it would have been nice for him to have another two years, and yes, he would have been able to play those two years at a decent enough level. But a time will come for a 32 year old, 33 year old, 34 year old where they just cannot do it anymore. 
that is obviously not going to be the case for Declan Rice for if City get him for for probably ten years or maybe just less because um, another list of his his profile because there has been you know there has been quite a bit of doubt over this transfer especially considering the price it's going to cost but twenty four years old he's got forty England caps already he's captained his club to a European trophy played in the World Cup knockouts he's played in the European Championships finals he has uh, over two hundred Premier League appearances and I think that's probably the most important part here because City aren't signing and and Declan Rice is perhaps a dying breed of player where he stuck around at a mid-table club even you know relegation threatened club this season and he's done the hard yards in that sense he's got the experience while obviously the the added benefit of playing in Europe both for uh, his country in the in the Euro 2020 final and obviously West Ham he is the perfect player at the perfect time maybe not the perfect price but for good players, you're going to spend that. I don't see people saying he's going to come in and he's going to have a year on the bench. He's ready to go now. We've seen that already. He is ready-made for City. And I think Guardiola would absolutely love coaching him. Yeah, absolutely. And he's the kind of player that we've seen do a variety of roles. You know, he can he can be a, a number six in a double pivot. He can play box-to-box. And um, he's one of those players that almost in a Jude Bellingham way that when he gets ahead of steam mm. with the ball on a counterattack, you know, he, he's not a defensive midfielder. He he will put his head down and, and he'll lead a counterattack and um, loads of technical ability. He also fits the mold of what City seemed to be trying to do in the last few years, which is kind of not necessarily move away from foreign investment, but they seem to have their eye on English players these days. We've seen it with Calvin Phillips, obviously Jack Grealish, and kind of adding to the to the pack mm-hmm. of English players that are already there in, in Stones and Walker and Foden. And um, he's another player that kind of fits that mold. So, yeah, I don't have any issues with it. I, I can see why some people would say, well, where exactly does he play? But that's kind of the period that City are in at the moment. I can't remember mm-hmm. a transfer since last summer where I've looked at it and said where exact we know exactly where they're going to play because mm-hmm. Pep's system seems to be changing with every four or five months at the moment. Um, and players like Rice and players like Kovacic, who, who we'll probably talk more about later on in the summer, they maybe didn't fit the mold at City before, but Pep's constantly evolving and they probably will next season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um a little, a little contentious point with this deal. It's not confirmed, and, and like I said, this is the last episode of of our season. So, it it may be that by the time you listen to it, things are done and dusted. It may be this deal's called off. But at the moment, there is talk about Calvin Phillips leaving as part of a deal, something like seventy five million, eighty million pound. Phillips obviously joined last season for around forty five to fifty million pound. He he didn't have the season some expected of him. Obviously, we've we've covered it in great detail. Do you say 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 for example this is the only way to get the the Declan Rice deal done? West Ham want the replacement. Do you sanction it? Do you green light it? Do you say yes, that is okay, Phillips? Off you go. City will swap him. Or do you think it's possibly too soon for Phillips to be leaving? Um, even if Rice would come in, this is a tough one for me. Um, I think. If I were wearing a suit sitting at the CFA and I had this decision on my table, you'd have to be ruthless with Calvin Phillips and say, mm. we need you to be a part of this deal. We potentially see Declan Rice captaining the club one day. I mean, I don't know yeah. if City feel that way, but I could potentially see that. Yeah, I think they probably they use him in a deal. The human side of me really wants Calvin Phillips to stay another year and, and get another shot. Um mm. I, I keep harping back to this the interview the um that it was Kyle Walker and Calvin Phillips on US TV. It might have been on British TV as well, after the Chelsea game when City had already won the league. And he he kind of Kyle Walker kind of took over the conversation and just like directed his words to Calvin Phillips saying that how much that they valued him as a teammate and that he deserved to be here and he deserved to play and that, you know, he's one of the nicest guys he's ever played football with and all this kind of stuff. And I think Purely from an empathetic point of view, I want Calvin Phillips to have another try. I, I, I could see how it could damage his career and you know potentially mental health if he just kind of shipped mm. out and, and used as a make weight um, in a bigger deal when he didn't really get a shot. Um, but if you're thinking about this from a ruthless football business point of view, 
yeah, kind of makes sense. However, are we stuck in a situation where Rodri has no backup again? Mm. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing for me. I keep saying it. It's, it's sort of become my motto of the season. Uh, Phillips was signed as a backup and is still a backup to Rodri. And, and even with Declan Rice coming in, he is not. You, you don't spend £150 million, pounds, whatever it may turn out to be, to be a backup. You know that If that was the case for City, then firstly, they've got it wrong. Secondly, I don't think it is because, like I said, you don't do it. Um, so and, and neither is Kovacic, it has to be said. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly, which I've seen some people say that he's a defensive midfielder, which is sort of ironclad yes. proof of saying you've never watched him before. <laughs> um, but... With Calvin Phillips, I'd, I'd be gutted, really. I think he's, he spoke well in the interviews he's had, and obviously you can talk a game and it's different, but actually putting that into practice. But he's had such a torrid year, such a horrible, horrible year for a footballer. And then you couple that with the 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 pressures we know already of coming into City and, and working with Guardiola. And, and it's just, it, you know, it, it's been the perfect storm for him to have a, a poor season. I think he deserves that one more one more try. I'm not. Phillips in, I'm not Phillips out, I'm not sort of, I don't have a judgment on him because basically, how can you? The All we've seen from him, he's season highlights basically are running into the corner to celebrate with players after they scored. That That's as much as we've seen him of a sort of meaningful amount of minutes on the pitch. So um, I'd, I'd be I'd be upset, I'd be gutted if he didn't, if he didn't stay for another season, I have to say. It's worth mentioning that this is the downside of City recruiting such good human beings as players, yeah. like guys that, yeah. that we really like off the pitch. And yeah. obviously there's been a couple of a couple of bad eggs in there, but City have the tendency to recruit players these days that, that are really good characters. And mm-hmm. um, that makes it all the more difficult when things don't go well for them. And we kind of have to put our football brains on and not wish bad things for them, mm. but kind of shoo them out the door. I think that's pretty hard to do when City have the tendency to not recruit players that are dickheads, essentially. <laughs> um, a bit more housekeeping then. Obviously, like I said, keep reiterating, last episode of the season. Um, Laporte's probably going to go. Any major feeling around that? Yeah, I mean, I he's a highly valued member of the club for the past six, seven years. And it's a shame that it's kind of fizzled out the way that it has. But... You know, he's one of the players that isn't happy when he's not playing. And if you're mm-hmm. somebody like that that isn't able to fight your way back into the team with the correct attitude, you're not going to last long at City. Um, I don't think he's going to leave the club on bad terms. It's not going to be like Raheem Sterling coming back and hearing, you know, a smattering mm-hmm. of booze or anything like that. Um, I don't think he's going to badmouth the club when he leaves, most likely. Um, we saw him crying on the pitch after winning the league. Um I think that was kind of the tell-all that that he's certainly out mm. the door. Um, but I think people are quick to forget that he essentially played with a broken leg to win the league last year. Uh, he was absolutely not fit to play, and we desperately needed center backs to play against Villa and West Ham. And he did that and said he won the league. And yeah, he's a player that I would urge nobody to have, or I would urge everybody to have no bad feelings about if he leaves the club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this one could well and truly have been done and dusted by the time for, for multiple reasons, either cancelled or, or gone through. Bernardo Silva to Saudi Arabia. Um, interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I, uh, this one pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. This one bothered me. I, I understand his like pleas to get out of Manchester because he wants to be closer to home, back towards the Iberian <laughs> Peninsula. He's even spoken about how he wants to retire back at Benfica. This just isn't that move. No. It's not. No. <laughs> and this is a completely different point. I am very much on record as saying I don't fault any of the players playing going to play in yeah. Saudi Arabia. It, mm. This is their career, and that is the peak of their career, is setting their family up financially forever and ever and ever, essentially, mm. if they want to. Um, but purely just because of the rhetoric that's come from Bernardo Silva about why he wants to leave and blah, 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 blah. This would this would be a bit of a sore one. Is there a difference though between saying I want to earn two hundred grand a week playing for Barcelona instead of two hundred and fifty living in Manchester, or someone knocking on your door and going, "Here's half a million pounds every week"? Because it, it, I see, I see, yeah. I, 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 I do see. Like, I, I think 
I, I don't, the, the, the human rights uh, issue is a completely separate one to this. But as footballers, if someone's saying to you, here is one salary to play for Barcelona or here's one salary to play for City or whoever it may be, and then someone comes and says, here's double that plus any other sort of lucrative bonuses and benefits that you might get, a signing on fee, whatever it is, I, I, I do see how your morals might go out the window quite quickly. And I don't begrudge anyone for doing so. When you say that, I realize I've contradicted myself. In the same <laughs> sentence, I've faulted Bernardo Silva for potentially going there and said I won't fault any players for going there. So, yeah, I fully understand the thinking of why you'd want to do that. And I, I think just because his whole thing is about wanting to kind of be closer to home and, and all that kind of stuff, um, mm, Yeah, then that that leaves it a bit a bit sore. But... It's it is hard to fault the players when that offer's on the table. Uh, finally, then before we go for a quick break, um, Cancelo. Bye. <laughs> That'll do for part one. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Right, we're gonna we're gonna finish the season with a little bit of fun. We're gonna start it off by, if you remember, and I've not got the exact date, but I think it was in the March international break. We did a an episode where we asked contributors uh, of this show to send in their predictions for the rest of the season. At this point, I want to say City had an FA Cup semi final against Sheffield United to come. Brighton were playing. United Manchester United in the other semi. City are about to play Bayern Munich in the quarterfinal of the Champions League, and obviously all the other quarterfinals weren't uh, weren't concluded yet. So we didn't know who it might be in the semis. We didn't know who it might be in the final. And City were a good chunk of points behind Arsenal at the top of the Premier League table. Um, this is what people said then. Uh, John Ashley he went for zero trophies. Um, Alex Brotherton went for just a Premier League triumph. FA Cup and Champions League double was the most popular entry, it has to be said. Ollie McCool, Joe Ricci, Oliver Kirsch and David all went for that. I said FA Cup and Premier League and the two people, by the way, I completely forgot what you said, so you'll have to try and remind me, but the two people who got it bang on and fair play to them at that point, I just said the context surrounding it, they put the balls on the table and, and were laughed at somewhat. But Oli Kirsch and Andrew Detmer both saying City would win the treble. Um, I think Oli Kirsch even said City would beat United in the FA Cup final 2-1, which was uh, which was an even better shout from him. But um, do you remember what you said, first of all? I think it was something like a, a cup double, maybe a Champions League. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I said the only thing I have faith in them doing is the Premier League because they have a history of coming from uh, behind. But I wasn't very high on them winning anything. Right, I, this, yeah. this may be totally wrong because I don't remember. As many people know, <laughs> I blacked out February and March as far as football yeah. goes. Yeah, um, but fair play to Ollie Kirsch and Andrew. Um, at that time, given where City were, I think, and, and it goes back to the sort of the the hysteria we've had over the last couple of weeks. And I even said City's treble has felt so fantastic, not only because of the way they've done it in terms of the teams they've played and the teams they've beaten, but it came out of nowhere. It was obviously sort of lingering for a while. We mentioned it maybe in April saying, oh, you know, City could potentially do that. But they had work to do against Arsenal. They had work to do in the Champions League. It's sort of immeasurable work in terms of beating Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. And then obviously facing the demons of winning a final. And then... Manchester United in the FA Cup final. It, there was a very, very plausible situation less than probably four or five weeks ago where, where City didn't win any trophies. So it's pretty crazy, isn't it, still to think four or, five, four or five weeks later we have won the treble, including the Champions League, including the FA Cup against United. Yeah, I mean, if, if you were to pick your route to winning a treble after you've won it, this is the route. To yeah, come from behind yeah. in the league, beating Bayern Munich, beating Real Madrid beating a tough Italian side in a final, um, beating United in an FA Cup final. If you were to offer me that, you know, if you were to ask me to pick my walk to the treble at the beginning of the season, I'd say win the league by 30 points, beat Scunthorpe United in the final and, and play, I don't know, Wolfsburg in the Champions League final. No, no disrespect to yeah. Wolfsburg. But, um, but looking back on it, it, it felt like the perfect treble. It did. It, every... Step every competition had its kind of quirk, its weird obstacle mm. that we'd never faced before. I always harp back to, uh, and it's been a long time since I've made a hockey reference on here, so I'm going to do it now. <laughs> when my when my team finally won the Stanley Cup, we beat 
our bitter rivals, Pittsburgh, who we always lost to at the final hurdle in the playoffs, always. And mm-hmm. I remember th- once we beat them, I thought, that's it, we're winning it all this year, just because we got over the hurdle that was unprecedented for us. And it felt like there was kind of many of those for City along the way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it Do was... Do that played a part of it, though? Because I think back to the Champions League, and I remember when the draw was made, and I'll hold my hands up. In fact, I think back to the Premier League running when I said City. In fact, I, I said City for the time capsule, but earlier on in the season, I said City didn't have a, have a chance. But when that draw was made, and you see in Bayern Munich and Real Madrid in front of you, you don't get to think about the treble because you assume or you expect, or you know, not even sort of just being downbeat pessimist. Bayern Munich and Real Madrid are two fantastic teams. City obviously trailed uh, for quite a long time in that Bernabeu game, and it looked like they were going to have to have the work to do at the Etihad Stadium. So do you think that that made a difference? And obviously United in the FA Cup final as well. We personally, as supporters, weren't given that sort of that time, that build-up to think about, oh shit, this could happen. Had we been given Benfica, had we been given... I don't know, one of the Milan teams in the semi-finals, perhaps we are then going, yeah, this is possible. You know, I can see the route. I can see it taking shape. But because it was so far-fetched at the time, personally, I think that that sort of helps and it maybe it helped the players as well. Yeah, it's kind of like the analogy I can best think of is it's like climbing over a wall and thinking you're on the other side just to see another wall. Yeah. But, yeah. On, e- but, on, but on each side, you can't see the other wall behind the wall, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Just every time we came over one obstacle, it was like, oh, God, there's another one. Um, so, yeah, I think well, you're it definitely a climber, ha- aren't you? It's like reaching base camp and then having to go to the next one. And then before you get to the summit, yeah. that, that's, that, that seems like a good way to look at it. I, think, uh, yes. I don't know. I don't climb, as you can probably well, tell. Well, and I don't climb anything that has a base camp, uh, just a, <laughs> a floor and a wall. But um, I, I get the point. But And I think from a player point of view, it helps as well because – it's almost like the kind of PSG conundrum that they don't play any meaningful football until the mm. Champions League knockout rounds and they tend to get steamed by the real big boys because you know they're essentially playing friendlies most of the season. No disrespect to Ligue 1. I actually love Ligue 1 and watch a ton of it. But um, it's kind of like the, the Liverpool title races. It felt like their level always kept our levels high. City don't yeah. get to... You know, City probably don't get to 98 points in in 2019 if Liverpool don't get to 97 and so on and so forth. And I think the fact that there was all of these unprecedented obstacles that City had to get through, it kept the levels high. And I think that was a huge boost to them. So, yeah, it was, I think it was the perfect treble. I I agree. I I think it was the perfect treble as well. Um, And that's why, as alluded to in, in Wednesday's episode, I think it was, I don't fancy City going on and doing it again next year. I think it'll be great at the time. I think it'll be fantastic if we did go and win another It's treble. just greedy, isn't it? Yeah, it, and, and it just takes a shine off this one. Um, the way it happened, the people, the sort of experience that along the way, the team City beat, it was it was perfect. Um, and I guess we'll sort of wrap up the season then by, by, as alluded to earlier, handing out some of our personal awards from the season. Um, I think there's 10 categories and, and how we'll run this is, I've got an answer, you've got an answer we'll we'll both put a suggestion forward for each category and decide on a winner um listeners at home feel free to to get your notes app out on your phone or whatever it may be submit your answers as well and let's see um let's see see what we get because there's some serious ones as you could imagine there's some uh dafter ones as well we'll start with a pretty rudimentary one um goal of the season now city scored a fair ton and it did i did have to go back and have a little look through some of the goals and uh, um, funny that, that about half of them were scored by one fella. But my entry isn't... I've, I've got three, actually, on the shortlist, and none of them are from that fella. So I'll hand it over to you to start off with. But um, what was your goal of the season? Yeah, so I've tried to to be a little bit different in all of my answers. I've tried to, to just just be something different so that it, it kind of stokes up some different memories for people from the season. Mm. I've gone for... Kevin De Bruyne's goal against Arsenal at home. The that opener, first, first, what, three or four minutes, drove at the Arsenal yeah. defense, put it in the bottom corner. And it was kind of, when you look back at it now, it was one of those moments where it was like, yeah, we're winning the league. Arsenal are, are just crumbling here. Yeah. That, it, it, that game to me felt like the first point of the season where I truly thought, yes, City can go and 
and, and I think it was maybe the first time City went back ahead. Um, maybe my memory fails me, but it was certainly around that time. I, I, and, and that Kevin De Bruyne performance, both games against Arsenal, it has to be said, were superb. Um, a solid shout. I've, I've got, uh, like I said, I've got three on the shortlist. I'll hand them over to you. In fact, you can you can pick whether or not you want to keep your shout or whether or not any of these um, do it for you instead. But I've got Gundogan versus, uh, sorry, Gundogan versus United in the FA Cup final. Uh, 13 seconds even earlier than Kevin De Bruyne. Add the con- take the context out of it and just have the goal itself. It's it's an absolute worldie, but the fact it was so quickly into that game, maybe it's a bit higher if it was the winning goal. That's that's probably what uh, brings it down. Um, Rodri versus Bayern. Now, I'm not a major fan of sort of long-range, worldy strikes. I do like my more intricate goals, but this cutting on his left foot, smacking it top bins against Jan Sommer, who's a superb goalkeeper. And, and to set City on the way in that tie, it has to be said. But for me, I think the strongest entry in the one I would challenge most is is Gundwan versus Everton, not the free kick, which is a solid shout as well. But the controlling it with his knee, I forget who played the ball in. Was it Mares? Maybe or Alv? No, I can't remember. It might have um, been Mares, I think it might have been. Yeah, uh, but he controls it with his knee. And God knows, contorts his body to flick it past Pickford. The opening goal in that game, which for me felt like the title-winning match. Um, does that? Are you sticking with De Bruyne against Arsenal? I'm happy to, but I think that Gundogan one for me was, and, and considering the season he had, considering what we know now, that, that that for me probably takes it. I think I, it's worth mentioning that all of my answers come from purely an emotional point of view. That, right. that like that KDB goal was my goal of the season. Not necessarily. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the most impressive or took the most amount of skill. Yeah. Um, but the Gundogan goal, if we're looking at it purely from a technical point of view that Gundogan goal absolutely trumps them. And I think there is a shout that we're missing here, and that's Holland's uh, overhead kick against Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I may, think is probably on a... par with the amount of skill that it took. Yeah, should we do this category now then? Because it is it is one of its own. Because obviously Haaland, a lot of his goals were not, apart from the one or two, were not these wonder goals. We have got a category for favourite Haaland goal. Um that Southampton bicycle kick is probably the the outright winner, if we're being honest. But again, I've done mine from a sort of an emotional point of view as well. Have you gone Southampton bicycle kick? Uh, no. An absolutely fantastic goal. No, you've not. What, what have you gone for instead? I've gone for less technical and more emotional again. And that was the third goal at the Emirates in the Premier League. The, that, yes. Another, yeah. another game where it felt like a tide turning, where it felt like this city team had something a bit different. And actually, that mm. was the game where I, on record on this podcast, said that I thought City could win the Champions League this year because I said if they, if they are able to play that way, not have a lot of the ball, mm. not be the better team throughout the game, and still win away 3-1, they could win the Champions League playing like that. And that Holland goal, the thing I loved about it was a celebration because you may, you may yeah. remember... Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne played in the ball for him. And Kevin De Bruyne kind of wheeled away to the the corner where the Arsenal fans sit, where Rodri famously yeah. took his shirt off. And Holland ran over, grabbed De Bruyne by the hand, and <laughs> like, like a little boy, and pulled him over to the City fans who were just absolutely losing their mind in, in the away yeah. end. And I just, I loved that moment that he was saying, no, come on, come on, we're celebrating with our fans. And that was just a moment for me. Kevin De Bruyne fucking hates Arsenal, doesn't he? Um, yeah, the same corner that he walked past and was was juggling beer. Yeah, uh, that is that yeah. that will forever be City Corner now. Um, yeah. There's been too many. Well, the stadium itself, Etihad South, um, the Emirates. Uh, that 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 was a solid shout, and, and I think as well leading up to that, that game, I saw. I remember seeing a, a graphic saying, "Erling Haaland has only scored X amount against the big six, whatever you know." Then you, the usual dross, as you can imagine, but um, he really did turn up and. And that was one of his sort of, I have to say, probably one of his first big game performances. Um, jokes aside, obviously, he, he'd scored quite a few goals by then, but it, it did feel like that was maybe a watershed moment for him. I, I, I've gone for one much earlier in the campaign. A, a special mention for the Bayern at home, um, because I, I, I thought that was another one of those sort of City biting for the Champions League. He scored in the Champions League knockouts. A goal that probably sent City through. And as well, I completely forgot the buying away. That that probably was one of the better ones um, where he sits the defender down. It's a little shimmy. And, and that was probably, for me, limbs of the season. Um in terms of the, the biggest celebrated goal. But my my actual one is is Crystal Palace at home. The 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 goal that got him the hat trick, um, he sort of 
it's obviously, it's going back into, I think it was August now, but he, he shrugs off a defender. Bearing in mind, City had been 2-0 down in this game very early on in the season. Shrugs off a defender, sort of slots it in behind the goalkeeper, wheels off, grabs the camera. And, and I remember my mum my and dad were away. Um, so I was at home looking after the dog. And I remember just sort of trundling in at whatever hour it would have been and, and just watching Match of the Day. I think I watched Match of the Day three times that night. All of the City games, of course. And just because I was watching Haaland and, and he, he'd scored his first hat-trick for City, he'd um, he, he dominated the game, he'd helped City come from behind and, and probably a, a sort of foreshadowing what was to come, maybe, in terms of his importance and his dominance. Yeah, it was also f- the first of two goals in, I think, about five days where he just pushed a defender to the ground, like a big, <laughs> a big man defender yeah. to the ground, like they were a child and, and went in and scored. Um, yeah, that was a fun time looking back. Mm. The hat tricks, yeah, the, it was. the big score lines, when it didn't feel like there was much on the line yet um, before things went a bit turgid in, in the early winter. But yeah, that was absolutely a fun time of the season. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. Um, okay, then let's let's make it a little bit more miserable as we like to do um a couple categories before we bring it back up again but let's start off with this one um most forgettable match of the season um now obviously you've played 60 games so there's, there's quite a few in there but in terms of like i want you to i want you to say a game which the listeners as when you say it they would have gone oh shit yeah that happened yes dortmund away dortmund away <sighs> jesus christ and to to reiterate that it was forgettable. When you asked me this category, I looked at it and said, oh shit, that happened. And I didn't write down the date or anything on it. So just looking at my notes here, I couldn't tell you when it happened. So right. it was forgettable. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a really good trip, by the way, for someone who was there. I can tell you it was great. So I don't forget it for that reason. Here's mine. Um, let, let me see if you can you can get it with a few clues. 22nd of January. This is Arsenal space. at home in the cup. No, no, not even close. Um, Etihad Stadium, 22nd of January and the Etihad Stadium. All right, one more clue and I'll get it for sure. 3 0 win. Che- uh, three oh. Wait, wait, wait. Was it Chelsea in the cup? No, it wasn't Chelsea in the cup. That was much earlier. Wolves at home on the 22nd of January. City won 3-0. Did that game happen? Yes or no? Or have I just made it up? I think it happened. It happened. It did happen. We, do play, we were... do play Wolves at home once a season, so it surely happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you anything more about that game. It has to be said. Apologies to anyone who who has that game in uh, sort of fonder memories. Maybe it was your first City game, or maybe you made the trip over from far flung corners of the globe. But I, 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 there's nothing about that game I could tell you about. Genuinely, the I last, don't even know who scored. The last memory I have of playing City or playing Wolves at home was the. Jao Matinho handball that probably wasn't a handball and City won. Oh, now. yeah. That's the Sterling last scored which a penalty. That, that could have been two seasons ago for all I know. It certainly wasn't this season because Raheem Sterling scored. So, um, yeah, forgettable matches. There's been a couple more. I, I also remember, well, I don't remember um, as the points <laughs> goes, looking through the, the fixtures and seeing Brighton at home, 3 1 win in sort of October, November time. See, now I remember that one because that's where he threw a defender to the ground. Oh, shit. Yeah. Or a yeah. Threw a defender to the ground. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Then um, let's go for. Lowest point of the season. Um, that seems like a good one to have. Lowest point of the season. Yeah, this is easy for me. Um, it was the loss at Old Trafford with the offside goal. Okay, okay. Very easy. What, what? And I think there's some context is missing as well. That was in a point in which City weren't playing well. It was kind of the beginning period of City playing not mm. very well. And um, that was in and around the time of of losing at Spurs and and kind of other games like that. It was in and around the time of a really horrible game at Stamford Bridge, which City won 1-0, but they played horribly. Um, and I think it was a, such a low point because there was such a high moment in it, which was Jack Grealish potentially winning a derby at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then for United to come from behind with the goals that they scored, obviously the equalizer being offside, uh, that was that was absolutely a low point. And and the media storm that was created from that game, I think United yeah. was at one point projected to win the quadruple by legitimate <laughs> serious pundits after that. And that, that just that whole period was just horrific. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty grim. Um, that factors into one of my answers coming later on, so I've not gone for that. But it's it's a similar time. I had considered Everton at home in the Premier League, which I think was on New Year's Eve, and we we drew one one. But I don't think it, I don't think the shit had hit the fan quite as much as it would do later on in the in in the in the season. It was just after the World Cup, so it wasn't as bad. But I've gone for that Southampton League Cup game, which obviously Guardiola has, has lambasted as sort of his lowest point of his City career. I think one of the quotes said. But it, it just felt like you know City going away to a Premier League middling, well bottom of the table Premier League team at the time in a League Cup quarter final. We've seen City dispatch teams in that manner multiple times before. But even even then, it was in it was probably the the epicenter or the the real sort of middle point of City's struggles. It was just it was just a miserable miserable game. The performance was bad. I think I've mentioned before our episode. Uh, title for that game was what the fuck is wrong with Manchester City at the moment and and yeah it, it, it felt like there was a, a real toxicity starting to, to grow and was that United game before the Southampton one or was it just after I, I believe they were they were sort of um, I, think, I think they were either side by side so it makes sense that you and I have both gone from because they, they, they both were horrific yeah, it was around that period. I'm just having a look now. Uh, it was three days before it. Oh fuck! That yeah. was a grim. That was a really grim week then. Jesus. Yeah, and then and then um, shortly after that was the come from behind win against Tottenham. But you you know you can imagine what the first 45 minutes of that game was like. So yeah. it was a it was a rough period. Yeah, um, we'll we'll be quick on this one then because it is quite similar. But um, worst defeat now. I'll go first because uh, mine was United away for for similar reasons. I, I felt like, but but the reason I've gone worst defeat and not lowest point is because it was such a it, that should have been the turning point that came against Tottenham a couple of days later. Jack Grealish scoring the winning goal at Old Trafford that that should have been the one that sparked City season to life. Thankfully, it only came four or five days later. But just to lose a derby in any sense is horrible. But to lose it when you know you've not been beaten by the better team. And United were okay, but the way they scored the goal, and I have no doubt in my mind that they scored the second minutes later because of what happened before. It was... I've never felt as angry after a game, I don't think, for since I was a child, since we lost to, I don't know, Charlton, and I thought the world was going to implode as a little five-year-old. But um, that was that was my worst defeat for that moment. It, it took me back to a point in my childhood where I just had pure anger, which most kids don't do, Adam. Um, it says a lot. It says a lot. But uh, what, what was your worst defeat of the season for City then? Yeah, mine might be a, a bit of a rogue one because it was pretty inconsequential in the end, and it was the 1-0 loss at Anfield in October. Um, I think the context of that game at the time as well mm. was there was still that kind of lingering feeling that Liverpool were our biggest rivals and they were in a really poor um, vein of form at the time. But it was still the period in which it was City and Liverpool's league. Arsenal weren't really you know involved mm. in any conversation yet. And it felt like City had been racking up the goals at that time with Holland and... Um, this is not too long after scoring six against United at home. And mm. we go to Anfield when they're they're giving up goals left and right. And it felt like we were finally going to go and with fans in the stadium, make a statement at Anfield and absolutely mm. thrash them. And people may remember it was one of the first games that's, that Pep played with. I think he played with four center backs. I'll have a look at the lineup now. Um, but But it wasn't. In the system, was it? It was a kind of no. playing right back and trying to be a right back. Yes. Um, and City lose the game on, for some reason, Jao Cancelo was the only man back on a corner when it was nil-nil. He misses a tackle on Mo Salah. Mo Salah goes in and scores. Um, I don't remember feeling that much fume from losing mm. a game. And it was because it was the moment to finally go there and make a statement against a team that City have been far better than for a number of years, but a team that is held on the same pedestal as City up to a point. 
Um, and it felt like a total wasted opportunity. Um, so that was absolutely my worst defeat of the season. Yeah, that that was another grim one. Um, and I think the context surrounding that in terms of what happened with the supporters and Liverpool yeah. fans chucking stuff and the chance from City and stuff like that. Yeah, that 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 wasn't good. Um, that wasn't good at all. Um, let's get back on track then. Let, let's go for this one. It's a pretty funny one. Um, biggest piss-boiling moment. Um, now, for anyone wondering what piss-boiling is, it, it's basically when City sent grown men and and grown women and, and adults into a frenzy because of the stuff they did, either on the pitch or off the pitch. So what what do you think the biggest piss-boiling moment of City season was? This one was difficult for me because I think so much of it is obviously online and I can't remember. I just, mm. I'm online so much that I don't even know what I saw on Instagram or Twitter yesterday or probably even two hours ago. Um, but for me, it was another Liverpool game and it was beating Liverpool 4-1 at home without Holland. <laughs> yeah. I think I can remember some some boiling piss afterwards that without Holland City probably put in their best performance of the season up until that that Real Madrid second leg um and ripped Liverpool to shreds. Um mm. that was probably the if it's not that, it's it's one of the Arsenal victories in which they they started to crumble and their fan base are also started yeah. to crumble. Um, but I think I think beating Liverpool so dominantly without Holland and seeing him, I think that was when Holland might have done the Poznan in the stands. Um, that was that was yeah. probably it for me. Yeah, that that was that was a really good day. That was a really good day, a really good moment because City obviously fell behind. And it felt like, oh, after the international break, shit, we were in such good form before it. Now we've come back and Haaland wasn't available. Is this going to be where we started to sort of unravel a little bit? But no, it was um, it was a really, really good piss-boiling moment. I've gone for one, actually, that that isn't as such to do with City, but it, it, it boiled a fair amount of piss. And, and it came during an international break, actually, and it involved um, that man, Rodri, and another Arsenal player as well, but another couple of Arsenal players, actually. But um, Rodri going into a tackle on uh, Martin Odegaard, a Spain versus Norway game. Um, Rodri probably should have maybe conceded a penalty. Arsenal fans were calling for like four, four-month bans from football because of it. It was a fairly innocuous tackle, but it was what it was. And then Arsenal fans spent the next weekend, because I think that game was like a Friday or a Saturday, something like that, and, and uh, Spain were playing Scotland on the Tuesday. So they spent the, the build-up to that game saying, Kieran Turney, who is obviously an Arsenal Scottish player, is coming to get you, Rodri. You've got to watch your back. You know, you're going to get fouled. He's going to stay stamp on your Achilles, he's going to rule you out for the season. And what happens about the 70th minute, Rodri and Kieran Turney go in for a, a tackle together. <laughs> Kieran Turney tries to foul Rodri and ends up going off the pitch, substituted with an injury. And I think that was probably, you mentioned City beating Arsenal at the Etihad. For me, I think that was the moment their title challenge fell apart. Yeah, that was that was the the first glimpse into just how on edge North London was in that title mm. race. Mm. Um, that's, that's a great shout. I had totally forgotten about that. I forgot about the, the blog posts about how Pep instructed yes. Rodri to go out and injure Arsenal players on international break. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, that um, was from um, reputable sources as well. It has to be said, not just, yes. some, well, well, probably some fella in his bedroom, but while also having quite the platform. Yes. Uh, I think the piss boiled so much, the pot was empty by the end of it. It just, what's it, evaporated? It evaporated. Yeah, it was piss evaporating moments. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was superb. Um, right, okay, Sirius heads back on for the last three then. We've got most improved player. Who are you going for there? I was really on the fence between two. Um, the player I didn't go with but was on the fence for was Jack Grealish. And I realized okay. that it wouldn't make sense for me to say he was the most improved because I was this high on him last year as well. Yeah. And I had, I had said from day dot that he plays the way he plays. It's not going to change. And eventually the statistics would come and the statistics came a bit more this year. Um, mm -hmm. However, I don't think he was all that much different last year in, in stretches. Um, so for me, I've gone with Nathan Ake. Uh, I nice. think he he's we saw the glimpses last year. I think it was the Atletico Madrid legs uh, 
both legs against Atletico Madrid. He came in, played left back in a serious game for the first time and did really, really well. But that could have been a flash in the pan, and it absolutely was not because I think, and we'll come on to player of the season, but as far as player of the season goes, considering the level of talent on this team, I think Nathan Ake is in the top three of player of the season candidates. Um, mm. So for me, it's it's Nathan Ake. I think he went from a squad player at a big, big six team to probably starts at any serious football team in the world. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think he's he's fantastic. And to keep hold of him, we said at the time it would be a mistake to let him go, not least to Chelsea. So I think it's fantastic that City got to keep hold of him and then he had such a uh, such an impact on the season. My most improved player then, it, it's a bit of a rogue shout, but I'm going to go early in Haaland because obviously there's not much of an improvement to judge it on considering last season he wasn't here. I suppose you could probably say the miss in the, champ- in the Champions League final, bloody hell, in the Community Shield final against Liverpool was was his starting point and obviously he got much better but I just think the way he's developed throughout the season and he did that fantastic piece with uh, Thierry Henry um, for CBS Galazzo after the Champions League final where he asked him sort of like where can I improve my game and stuff? And he spoke about maybe, you know, the same runs on your right foot and finishing and stuff like that. But I think he's, we have seen a development even from the sort of the Crystal Palace, the Nottingham Forest, the early games where he's getting a hat-trick against United as well. He's He became such a more important, much more integral part of City's build-up. So I think I'm going to go for most improved player, Haaland, which might be a bit of a slight on the next category, player of the season. He, he could very comfortably have won, won both, couldn't he? Yeah, or he might I, do. In fact, I think, I think this is one of those like when you ask City fans what's what's your best memory as a City fan, it's kind of ninety nine point nine percent nailed on ninety three twenty. So in these in these conversations, you kind of have to just eliminate ninety eliminate ninety three twenty to talk yeah. about other things. That's yeah. kind of how I feel about Holland this season. You just kind of have to knock him out of the picture yeah. because it's so obviously him. Um, I've gone with Rodri. I think he. I think it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he is by far the most irreplaceable player in the team. He may just be the most irreplaceable player in Europe at the moment, as far mm. as how much City would drop without him and how much they'd have to compensate for his loss. Um, yeah, everything runs through him. Everything, and for him mm. to score a couple of big goals as well this season, obviously the big goal to to win the Champions League. Um, I think it. it put him on the map for people who didn't get him. And let's yeah. be honest, there are people who didn't get him. Not not within the city, the city fan base, obviously, in, in the wider footballing public. Um, I think this was the season where the universal acceptance is he's the best defensive midfielder in the world and the next level is, is not even really close to him. Um, so, yeah, it's Rodri for me for player of the season. I, I think it's um, unequivocal, really. I think it's an absolute... It's a dead sir. Um, and, and I'm glad he has got those flowers. And it's funny, uh, going back to Arsenal fans complaining or saying that uh, Thomas Party was better and who's the one being linked with a move to Saudi Arabia at the moment. He says quite a lot. Um, right, okay, then final final uh, category of this then, um, match of the season. I think this is, you know, above player of the season, above most improved player, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is the the... This is our sort of this is our crowning award. This is the one which I think you know says a lot, and 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 the game from an emotional point of view, from a technical point of view, whatever it may be, that was the game. Um, take it away for your match of the season. Yeah, I went with a different one again here. I think there was some more obvious candidates. I won't list them in case you have one of them, but um, I went with kind of a less obvious candidate, and it's a game that I've spoken about a, a lot already, and that's the three-one win away to Arsenal in the league. Mm. That that looking back is a watershed moment. It might not have felt like it at the time, but like I've said numerous times, to win the win that game in the manner that they did, in a kind of gritty, you know, four shots on goal, score three goals, not have a lot mm. of the ball, kind of thing. I, I don't know if that's the statistics. I'm, I'm making that up, but that's what it felt like. Um, the manner of the goals, an Arsenal mistake, and the the looped shot from KDB, the mm. Jack Grealish scoring a big goal, what ended up being the winner, that was an incredible, incredible yeah. moment where he almost takes his shirt off and realizes <laughs> mid mid undressing that he's got a yellow card <laughs> and can't take it off. And um, 
The second consecutive time that's happened at the Emirates for City, by the way. Yes. Rodri, ha- having had it dragged back on him, I can't remember who it was a year yeah. before. Yeah. So that, yeah, that felt like a game for me. That felt like a special, mm. special game. Um, so I think that that's it for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid shout, a very solid shout. Obviously, the um, the main ones would be one of the finals, but I think if you enjoyed either of those games, you need to seek therapy, especially the Champions League final, because that was, that was anything but enjoyable. Um, obviously, the result difference and sort of uh, separate from that, Man United at home is a possibility, the 6-3. But again, if you enjoy a Manchester derby, even when we're 6-1 up, well, maybe when we're 6-1 up, that's fine. But if you enjoy a Manchester derby, I still remember thinking at 6-3, United are going to find three goals in the final five minutes or so. Um, Everton away is another one. Uh, sort of Again, I said it earlier on, Like it felt like the, the coronation for City in terms of the Premier League. But I'm going to go with one that we spoke about already in terms of Arsenal at home because I think from even the build-up to that game, obviously there was a few nerves and it, it felt like a massive match. But the players coming out to that fantastic TIFO, which saying, I'll follow you everywhere. And it, it felt like it came at a time when City were really just starting to get the cogs turning in terms of this behemoth we now know they can be, both in the Premier League and Europe and the FA Cup when it comes to this time of year and Kevin De Bruyne having sort of having could have had a penalty um, in the first sort of 60 seconds five minutes later Kevin De Bruyne slots one in uh, Stones just before half time Haaland equaling the record number of goals for a Premier League campaign it, it, it felt like yeah it felt like that was it for me that that was the game and um, but yeah there's been there's been a few hasn't there this season it has to be said yeah and you mentioned that Arsenal at home um when you talk about Holland being the most improved player of the season, I think that was the culmination of Holland's improvement. Mm. You know, you think of that KDB goal in the in the opening five minutes where Holland takes a long ball down out of the air in one touch and spins it around the corner for him. He wasn't doing that in September. He wasn't doing that no. in August. Um, and I think that was where we saw just how much better he's gotten under Pep. And and I know there was a lot of talk of Enzo Maresca was a, a huge help to the attackers this season in, in kind of playing in a different way than they've played before. Um, so that was, yeah, that felt like a, a game that was very much a culmination of, of a lot of things, of a lot of revolutions in the season. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he missed he missed loads of chances. Uh, and I think sort of maybe four or five months before. Yeah, I forgot Holland about missed that. that. Yeah, if he'd, he'd have missed that many chances, obviously he still got a goal. But if he'd have missed that many chances, we'd have been speaking about how, how poorly he performed. But he was one of the best players on the pitch even before he scored, um, which really sort of highlighted that. But but yeah, man, that's, that's, that's the season. And um, time for us to... Uh, Put the mics away for a couple of weeks, I'm guessing. We've so much exciting stuff coming next week. Uh, next week, bloody hell. No, they're certainly not. We, we do need a rest. So much exciting stuff coming next season. Um, this has just been the beginning from us. A, a mammoth, mammoth season. You know, much love to anyone who's worked in football this year because it's been one hell of a stretch. World Cup halfway through. Premier League charges for City. Going on to win the treble. I think we're, we're all ready for a lie down. But a massive thank you to anyone who's listened anyone who's shared any sort of thoughts on the podcast with us, anyone who's interacted on social media, anyone who's stopped me and told me they listened to the show. It, it genuinely means the world. Um, but yeah, that's that. That's the 2022, 23 campaign, Adam. It's been, um, it's been a good one. Probably one of the best, it has to be said. Yeah, it's, it's certainly up there. And I'll echo what you said about um, being very grateful to all the listeners. I also want to mention all the contributors that have come on the show this season. Absolutely. Uh, we absolutely would not be where we are without them and we wouldn't be able to do this five days a week without them because we would be uh we would be walking zombies if we were doing this <laughs> five days a week without them so a big big thank you to them as well um and there will be many of them back next season and uh i'm already looking forward to it i'm looking forward to the next two weeks of you know mm. not scrambling at midnight and realizing i didn't publish the episode for the next morning <laughs> and laying in my underwear in bed and trying to edit while laura sleeps next to me and um <laughs> whoa 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 so now 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 we're straight uh, into the after we're, dark stuff we're adults here <laughs> we're adults um so yeah i'm looking forward to the break but i'm also already excited to get back and have bigger and better things on the horizon as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more YouTube stuff next year. So if you aren't already following us on that or subscribing, shows how much you know about that platform already. Uh, maybe I'll get a, a for dummies guide during this little break. But yeah, a massive, massive thank you. Manchester City, Champions of Europe, treble winners for the final time this season. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.